Alright, you white motherfuckers. All eyes on me. This is the Average Years Podcast. The Rocket Review, a streaming video podcast where consenting adults discuss sex, kink and BDSM, sexual health, sex work, and the adult entertainment industries. While our conversations are created to build understanding and share valuable information, not all views expressed reflect those of the producers, hosts, or sponsors. The Rocket Review is intended for mature audiences only. Gang, welcome to, into the studio today is my friend Mr. Fox joining us from back east. Mr. Fox is the producer and host of the I Refuse podcast on all podcast platforms. Mr. Fox, welcome in. How are you doing? Sunny and peachy, my friend. How are you? Uh, it, you know, we are mm-hmm. hanging in there. It's uh, It's been something of a week yes, last week. There's been a lot of fuckery going on. Yeah. It's been quite a holiday. <laughs> oh, well done. Well done. I like how you slipped that in there. Yes, in fact, we are here to discuss the Jerry Halliday incident at Touch uh, Chicago, a storied 45-year-running leather bar that was, in fact, celebrating its 45th anniversary last Monday when they decided to book possibly one of the most problematic uh, puppet acts I think I've ever seen in my life. Let's just share his website here for just a second. And uh, yeah, Jerry Halliday is uh, boasts a like forty plus year career, having played evidently in 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 uh, as you know esteemed places as Las Vegas, Reno, uh, Atlantic City. Of course, if you Google any of his PR, he hasn't played in any of those places in the last decade or more. Um, this is Jerry's website, which let's be clear, gang, has been completely sanitized of the puppet in question that he performed with uh, last week. We're going to talk more about that in just a second. Uh, uh, I can even find us a picture, if I remember correctly, of her. Oh, yeah, I can totally do that, too. Let's let's get a let's get a look at this uh, bit of of a mess here, because it's it's pretty gross, actually. There's a little still shot coming up there, gang. So there is the the puppet in question sitting right with him. Mr. Fox, when this first came across your desk last week, what just you know give, first of all, share with us the mission and vision of of uh of the I Refuse podcast. Uh set sure. us up a little bit. Help us understand. Sure. So the I Refuse podcast was birthed through the reality that as a black person, as a black queer person, bi person, person of color, that my voice is often silenced or there's some kind of pushback in non-people of color spaces. And at no point during that timeline did I feel otherwise, um, especially when it came to inclusion, diversity, and recognizing that we still face racism and antagonism within the gay community, LGBTQIA+, and that still continues to this day, even as we continue to go to Pride and present this message that we're progressive. That's not the case when it comes down to 
individual desires and gatekeeping and redlining well after we've been, you know, contributing to brands and to leather clubs and to leather bars. So the I Refuse podcast has been around since uh, 2020. We first started off on a YouTube channel, uh, audio only. You know, this I uh, started off with a podcast set. I was like, let me start investing in myself. So the Irish Fuse podcast started on YouTube, and then we elevated to Anchor, um, which is responsible for the huge presence that we have on eight streaming platforms. So we've been there since uh, spring of 2020, and the goal and the vision for I Refuse podcast is to have discussions uh, around not only issues that affect men, but also affect women, and not just, you know, people of color, but Black people and minorities in general, uh, really put a spotlight on marginalized communities. Uh, but we also do it while we cover, like, lesser-known uh, pop culture stories, uh, stories targeted that are not uh, currently or strongly broadcast a- across the news. Uh, we cover, you know, stories of misogyny in pop culture, uh, sexism. I had a, in the first season of the I Refuse podcast, the season finale, I interviewed a trans man, uh, which was great. Uh, that was actually season two, but on the first season, I had somewhat of a open forum or a town hall with uh, four guests, and we talked about the importance of being an ally to Black people. So it was myself, two other Black men, and two white men, one straight and one, I believe, gay identified. And we had an episode about being an ally, and we covered different moments or opportunities when... Black people are being targeted and brutalized by the police. What non-people of color can do to bridge the gap. So there isn't one particular theme or one particular subject. We start off with maybe a couple of items, uh, whether it's from music or movies or something in history, or it could be uh, an episode where we cover a story that's not broadcast that is very mysterious. And the focus and the center is towards uh, Black people, people of color. Like, why is this story not being covered enough or discussed enough? And why aren't we talking about how mysterious this death is for a Black person, man or woman, to leave their job and end up dead in the trunk of their own car in a different city. Why are we not talking about that? Why are we not talking about uh, the discussion that we should be having as to the apathy or the indifference from the police departments in some of these cities when it comes to the treatment and the violation that Black women face when there have been repeated filings at the police station and the police are like, oh, well, it wasn't strong enough or there was no evidence or there's some kind of pushback until, you know, a a black woman 
is running around naked with a padlock around her neck, banging on people's doors. So definitely the, the focus is to broaden the discussion around the indifference around, you know, the marginalized uh, demographic, particularly black men and black women and black children. Um, it's definitely centric around that. Um, but we also try to look at it from both points. You know, I advocate very strongly on my podcast about the importance of critical thinking, the importance of context, and the importance of history. Um, you know, we're in a culture right now where people are reacting or formalizing an opinion on a platform such as Twitter or Instagram without critical thinking, without context, without respect to history. But, you know, a lot of what I've been seeing in the climate, particularly in our community, is that it's more, the, the most important thing is to be seen and heard and nobody wants to listen or have a conversation. And it's like, how can you be about community and you not hear other people? And you not say, I see you and I hear you, I'm going to do better. Like, how can we evolve? So the I Refuse podcast, um, you know, I have a flair or a style where I just refuse. You know, I, I refuse to go along and get along. I refuse to just follow anybody blindly somewhere. Like, let's take a step back and actually look at this again or revisit something or try to get a feel or an understanding from both sides before we respond. And sometimes throughout the season, I, I find myself being critical of myself, like maybe I should approach it this way. Maybe this may not. And, and I'll be the first to admit I'm not politically correct. I refuse to be politically correct. Um, but I am very much educated and mature. Um, and I'm very, I put this in all caps, open to listen and open to be educated and informed. Now, I didn't start off knowing, you know, everything that about the history of where we are now as far as trans rights and the importance of trans people. You know, I'll be the first to admit that my childhood and my upbringing was done at the hands of people from the old way of thinking. Um, but I also understand that there is a theme with our experiences uh, growing up realizing that we're gay, but we're in a household or a family that is not there yet as far as being open to it or tolerant of it. Um, and with that, I feel like I can relate with how trans people feel and not feeling like they belong or feeling like there is oppression of some kind from society and feeling like you're not being hurt. So I, I, I can definitely say that like every a bunch of other people that listen to the podcast and a bunch of other people in society that I am not above learning, but we got to have a conversation. So. We share many similar drives and motivations. Right. Uh, 
one of the reasons I started this show was to destigmatize and demystify uh, sex, kink, and BDSM. Those big three taboo things we're never supposed to talk about. You know, we're supposed to just keep that in a box, on a shelf, under the bed, you know, kind of a thing. And uh, and only bring it out, you know, yada, yada. No, I, I uh, when you spoke about uh, I Refuse... Yes. As a theme that runs through your podcast, uh, I also refuse to sit idly by, to turn a blind eye, as so many of, um, so many men my age and my pigmentation tend to do so very easily, is ignore the thing that starts pushing a button, in right. them, and um, and I always like to lean or, or pivot into kind of a, a paraphrased version of a quote that you know the only thing that requires real tyranny and 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 oppression to to succeed is for good people who don't believe in it to just turn away from it and not actively speak out against it and right. and stuff, and and that sadly is a theme in my career my lifetime as an adult in the cis gay male leather community global kind of you know it has been a reoccurring theme over and over again is the continued marginalization of people uh early on in my in my 20s when i first came into gay leather it was misogyny rampant horrific fucking misogyny and i mean on all sides, it didn't matter what your background was. If you were a gay male, you were pretty down on women in general. And, and, and it took active discussions about, guys, these women are taking care of us and hospices and making that we've got leather sisters in our community. We need to be acknowledging, you know, and our, and our trans and non-binary friends that are kinky as well. Um, and so f- since my first day in a leather bar, I've been pushing back against the blatant and often uh, just casual, you know, uh, uh, bits of racism, transphobia, self, self-hating homophobia, even that goes on. Like, don't let him in. He's too Nelly. Or we can't have drag queens in our leather bar because that would be breaking, you know, the the rules, you know, kind of a thing. And um, and so I, I've been forcing us all to look at that uh, my whole career. That's sure. not. I'm not trying to use that as any kind of – I'm just trying to set up my CV here, my resume, as it were. Is, uh, I'm a known commodity with the old guard, and I like to rail against those motherfuckers every every time they stick their head up. I like to imagine I'm there with the whack-a-mole mallet going, no, back the fuck down. You know, you don't – you can think the way you want. You're welcome to your opinions, but I'm welcome to call you a, a, a racist piece of shit to your face for it. If you bring that shit up. All right. You are also got a little bit of an uh, adult go uh, action going on, too. We're going to share uh, baby baby face alpha uh, as well. You can go check that out as well. Because uh, and, and now, now I'm going to ask my favorite question here. When did you first discover you were kinky, Mr. Fox? And then when did you embrace it and start exploring? Um, I started I realized I was kinky. When I was in the military, actually. Ooh, do tell. <laughs> so, <laughs> I served four years in the Air Force. Um, I went into the Air Force, uh, actually, like two or three months after high school graduation. Um, which, by that time, I didn't 
I hadn't gone anywhere or known anything really. Um, but at some point during those four years, I started becoming attracted to um, role play because of the out the uniforms and the officers and stuff like that and that whole that whole power dynamic. Um, and around that time, you know, I started ordering uh, my first porn. I was like 18 years old. Um, at that time, I started uh, mail ordering. So I would get it in the mail, which was very bold because you just don't know when you're living on base how many eyes or who's actually going through your mail. But I used to order through the catalogs. And I remember ordering a Christopher Steele movie <laughs> um, called checkpoint and then there was the general son <laughs> oh yeah that was hot i remember uh, from pacific sun entertainment uh-huh you know Cat- catalina video was one of my regular things um just catalina getting... had a strong uniform division for a while and they had that was back when there was like a not much of a storyline, but there was definitely an environment. Um, you know, right. Voyager and cockpit, like, oh, we're on a plane, and, you know, this is what goes on on the plane, or we're on our way to a cruise. But there are things that are happening in separate stories or whatever. I was like, wow. So it definitely unlocked the the uniform and the that aspect of, like, kink and fetish um and then at some point i had a a partial fisting experience <laughs> so one of the one of the ways uh in the foreplay when i was in my 20s was you know we didn't do the toys a whole lot we used to do the fingers to open up a guy right well i found a guy that was able to take four of my fingers and I was like, huh, this is this is something else because I can start to feel feel how good it feels like right here. So I was like, maybe I've unlocked something. So at some point I started exploring that later in life. But definitely the uniform, the the dumb sub power dynamic, like you know, the officer enlisted, that kind of thing and all of that. So it was definitely baby steps into other things as far as that. So it was just all of that stems from me being curious by nature. Um, Just kind of trying to gauge how far I can take things and really enjoying how close I can get to being with a guy. You know what I mean? Past mm-hmm. oh, very much. Ass, but like really feeling them in here. And fisting was a way for me to feel that beyond just old school penetration. Yeah. I have often referred to fisting as the most connected I ever become with other human beings. Right. It, it is a it is a profound 
visceral experience that that I l luckily get to repeat with great, you know, uh, uh, repetition. <laughs> you know, uh, speak, especially doing it professionally uh, and stuff. And so, like, I'm headed out next week to Palm Springs for another week worth of shooting and stuff. And so, no, I I echo everything you've just said there about that particular uh, kink discipline. Uh, uh, I love the I love the connection that is formed. It is I am still friends with practically every you know person I've ever played with at that level. We still communicate even if we don't play anymore, you know, kind of a thing, or for whatever reason. And so, yeah, there's a bonding level that goes on there. And um, and I appreciate that you opened up and set all of this up because it sets the tone for the rest of this very unhappy discussion. It right. sets up, it set, well, it sets, again, it sets your resume. It gives us a bit of understanding to that you're not new to the kink scene. You're not new to gay and, and the, the leather scene at all either. Uh, had had you ever uh, attended an event at Touch? Had that? Have you ever gone? No. Anywhere? So I've been to Chicago once before, and I I plan to go again this December. I've never been to Touche or Touch. Um, matter of fact, like I don't. Although I I have a history of traveling, um, as far as like my awareness of a scene in a particular city. It's not something I research. Um, so when I went to Chicago the first time, it was really just to go for a wedding. Um, I didn't have a rental car at the time, and I didn't have uh, friends or connections at that time in Chicago um, as far as, like, other gays and stuff. So, no, I had never been. Uh, but, you know, with my association with Daddy G, um, through his stuff on social media, I'm learning more about the, the the clubs and stuff and the community and everything. So it that's why it helps to kind of have what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, there's a word for when a person's in another city. Shoot, I can't think of the word. Big uh, tourist, tourism. Oh. Getting, I like getting lost in a new city and go find it, kind of go find it out for myself. A oh yeah, bit. definitely. Um, but but for me, it's like, although I can go into any club and bar, fine. Um, it helps though to be with somebody you know. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, yeah. So it for me, it helps to have some kind of a connection in the city. I think. For me, Daddy G is definitely somebody that's going to be a really good uh, connection for me and having I, more of a presence in Chicago. I look forward to following up with you maybe uh, uh, into the new year about of course. how the trip goes. Yeah, that would yeah, be a lot definitely. of fun. Um, this will be my second time, and I'm taking the boyfriend with me. Um, and this is during our usual Christmas holiday vacation out of town. Uh, so he's, I don't think he's ever been, which will be great. So I plan on doing the touristy stuff with him, um, and kind of showing him around and venturing out more, but also doing some gay shit, you know, possibly get, you know, railed by two daddies, who knows? 
Um, Yay, gay shit! Get some water sports in there. Get some fisting in there. Get some, you know. Hey, and when you can combine the two of those, yay! Uh, Get some toe sucking, some spanking, some CBT. Yes. Um, Some punching and some slapping. We'll see. Damn. Okay. Yeah, you're gonna come back for just an entire kink conversation here at some point. We're gonna just talk kink, but sadly, we have some shenanigans to talk about that went down in Chicago last week. Uh, here, let's let's start with just a little bit of a visual aid. Let's take a look at the poster. So, Touche celebrated its 45th anniversary last Monday. This is the poster that circulated for several weeks in advance. Um, we're going to blow it up, and we're going to look down here at the special guest uh, they booked for this, which they brag, by the way, in, in other online we've got we've got those pulled up here too we can look at if we want in other advertising they bragged about how jerry had been booked with them before several times and uh and how he was so well received but it's the picture i'm going to have everyone take a look at here uh that is the most disturbing and telling part a gay bar booked a white heteronormative comic and I'm putting that word in air quotes because, yeah, uh, that has two on its face right here in this picture, two entirely problematic puppets. Hey, Mr. Fox, I'm going to let you speak to your first feelings on Sister Girl, the Muppet, the puppet to his left. So when I first saw like a thumbnail or a still um, from the video, and saw the appearance of Sister Girl and the appearance of Jerry Holiday. And I knew the context in the background as to what the event was. I said, oh God, what what is what what is this? Um, you know, being a, a native of Baltimore, I was like, oh boy, where where is this going? So I started playing the first clip. Because there was like four or five different clips. And and thank goodness for people who had the intuition to get out their phones and record after being told not to. Because they knew when you're told not to record something, it's people's attempt to keep things under the rug or, you know, keep things a secret. Yep. And they're aware that what they're doing is fucked up or offensive. And they don't that's want part of that. That's part of that blind eye right. I'm fucking talking about. Yeah, and it's um, part of that, that toxic thing, that toxic variable that tends to permeate throughout the community. But nevertheless, I was like, I know this is probably going to be a train wreck, but still, because I want to learn more and know more about other people, <laughs> curious by nature, let me play the first clip. I was like, okay, I see the first stereotype in 10 or 15 seconds. And the first clip was roughly two minutes. I was like, oh, okay, you're trying to, first of all, you're not doing any comedy. You're just impersonating a black female stereotype 
of someone that is a, a church and a, a churchy woman and trying to pacify or appease people by being holy or playing into the the church experience and it's like huge red flag because like I was saying earlier, a part of our identity and our culture and our history as black people in society and in this country particularly is that church, song and dance is how we feel connected closer to um, in a uh, spiritual entity, God, Jesus, whomever uh, is in a particular religion. But also, that's our way of communicating our despair, communicating our experience as slaves, as uh, property of people that have pillaged our villages and our societies and stolen from us it's it's this thing and it's like we don't want to be reminded of that in a negative way on a platform like that like there's so much that goes into what you're pulling from for laughs um so i was like okay this 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 i'll i'll keep watching because i want to know where this is going because I knew I was going to be talking about it on my podcast. So, so I was like, okay, yeah. No, no, no. Here's a here's another one I'll share with you real quick. This is this is again further further PR language that they used right. uh, when they were putting it out there, which I found uh, again the reason I'm even sharing this is it 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 flies in the face of the assertion that um uh hold on one second it's a Got to open it up first. Sorry about that. So it flies in the face. Okay, because again, we're, we're, we're telling the whole story here. So this is even more further public relations language. This was promotional language used. To salute our early days on Lincoln Avenue, we just had to bring the talented puppeteer Jerry Halliday back with his colorful cast of characters. Jerry appeared in Chicago and across the country in many gay and comedy venues over the years. We know you will enjoy the show and become huge fans. Now, this right here, just this paragraph, is so telling about what what is about to occur. And then, and then, it's the disingenuous apology letter that I'm going to share here next. So this is what this is what they decided to post. Uh, this comes directly from the manager, who in video clips can be seen. Cheering this on brings the performer back for an encore and becomes part of the act by circulating a tip jar for Sister Girl, the puppet, to support her five children, which we're not even going to name that off. That in and of itself was just racist. The right. And especially at, especially at the timing of the set, because this was, he did this bit after he had exposed her private parts and was insinuating that she was promiscuous and that her her private area, he likened it to a Brillo pad and she could use the Brillo pad to wash, you know, to wash the dishes and 
you know, she has to be careful uh, walking around the streets with no undergarments on or you'll attract uh, crabs or an STI or something. Right. Oh, just all kinds of, yes, all kinds of terrible. Uh, he he low-key even, uh, it doesn't even low-key, he insinuates that she is a prostitute, a sex worker. Uh, uh, and, right. and, and again, continuing the marginalization, the stereotypical marginalization. Um, uh, and this is, and this, okay, so this is the most disturbing puppet. There's another even more disturbing puppet we can take a look at in just a second. But let's look at this apology letter. So this is what comes. Now, are you ready? Five full days, like from the incident, numerous clubs had already left the uh, pulled their establishment pulled their uh, connection to the bar this this is what david boyer puts out this is what i was referring to earlier as probably the most hollow answer or response to a crisis that they created themselves that i've ever read in 25 years of professional media consultation i i had to sit down and just take a, a beat when i read this um because it's profoundly pathetic it attempts to make themselves the victim uh and say hey we're bad sorry our bad we should have vetted this act better that we've already had before that we bragged about how much we love him i again then it undoes everything that is showcased in evidence on video david cheering david escorting or having members of the audience who pushed back removed so in one of the videos that you referenced and we shared last Friday, uh, a gentleman who we now identified as Mr. Uh, Chicago Leather, the current reigning, was the gentleman in question that called out this performer uh, uh, during the performance and then was asked uh, or said he was leaving and on his way out the door. And I can't confirm this uh, just yet, but I, I am I'm being told that he was assaulted uh, physically. <laughs> on his way out so again that i cannot confirm nor deny that i'm hoping that mr chicago leather would like to come on the show uh and talk to us about his lived experience uh, with this terrible incident um and so yeah uh just here gang you can even see him set up on the stage um and we're gonna drop back in here it i had some really hard remarks uh, last Friday for anyone that is not speaking out against this right now. Um, and I want to clear up that uh, I'm keeping an eye on different organizations that historically have not had a response to these kinds of things. They do that thing I've been harping about, turn a blind eye. They turn a blind or they're quick to accept a, 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 a hollow apology and they want to get back to business as usual. You know, let's just, you know, move past it. I hear right. this language a lot, and uh, and and that's where. And I'm gonna I'm gonna steal your I'm gonna steal your podcast title here for a second. That's where I refuse. That's where I flat fucking refuse. You all are not gonna get away with turning a blind eye or smoothing it over and moving past it anymore. We're we don't do we're not doing that anymore. We're not going to make gross gross choices that harm our community on on the whole and then just get away with, oh, but look at our 45-year lineage. Look at all the things we've... 
No. In fact, as, as far as I'm concerned, you just undid your entire track record. Right. You've undid any good you've ever done in one supposed one foul swoop. Please share with me your thoughts on that apology. <laughs> exactly. I had to take a fucking beat. Just, I had to just sit back and go. Whew. So if we were, if we were all reading <laughs> at a middle school grade level, we probably would have given that that statement a round of applause. Like, good job, sir. Good job. However. We're grown as fuck. Like we have, we have come a long way, not only as men, but as a community. Not too far removed from segregation and Jim Crow and and uh, all kinds of things that have resulted in the deaths of not only black people and minorities, but trans men and trans women. Uh, Marsha P. Johnson, um, Marsha P. Harvey Milk, uh, like the the disproportion, and it continues to this day. The disproportion of deaths that have occurred on our watch in our communities, just because we exist, that still happens to this day. Um, for that, after time have got, has gone past a couple of days. For that to be the best you can do as an owner of a major bar that has been around for almost 50 years. To clarify, David Boyer is the manager, evidently okay. in charge, and represents owners. Okay. He represents the ownership. I have not been actually able to track down who actually owns this bar. I'm and sure, I'd like. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, if you cast your reel a couple of times out there and get the, and this episode starts to gather steam on platforms, I'm sure there'll be a bunch of people that will come back and be like, yeah, I know this guy, you know, just like we can cancel Karen's because we found that LinkedIn, we can apply that same concept over here. So it, I'm pretty sure more will come out, but as far as the statement, I'm like, you could have, you need a, a couple more days. You need a, probably a few more weeks because, um, A, for you to come out this soon with a statement after such a horrific night, which the fallout started the moment the guy got on stage. And you're right by the stage. So you know during the course, with your own two eyes, during the course of this show, how offensive he is being. Because people are walking out, people are quitting their jobs at that bar, and people are still remaining in this climate. I've heard it mentioned and referenced several times. Again, I cannot confirm and deny because I have not been able to source the story, this part of the story myself. But I have heard that there was a rehearsal earlier in the day where some of this material was even gone over and David Boyer signed off on that rehearsal. And so any continued attempt for him to say he did not vet this act is disingenuous at best. 
if not outright lying in an attempt to pivot himself back into his past good works for the community. And once again, I keep going back to this. You do not get to rest on the good things you've done when these sorts of things are still occurring. It's like they, they're hand in hand. Right. They're not – everybody wants to separate this these kinds of incidences into their own little pocket universe. You know, and 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 like because you know they're just rare and they're they're not rare. This is what we're discussing here is they come up all too often. What we've been illustrating here today is that Jerry Halliday continues to get booked in queer establishments, and I, as a journalist and a podcaster, am going to continue to press that question: How how does this man how is this man built any audience or following in our community? Considering Sister Girl isn't the only problematic puppet in his yeah. repertoire, yeah. shall we? Shall we look at Twinkie Boy for just a second? Do you yeah. want to? Yeah, let's, let's take a peek. Let's take a peek at this hot fucking mess here for just a moment. So Twinkie Boy Gang is billed as he's out of the closet and out of control, the world's gayest puppet with a hand stuck up it. So let's talk about that hand for a minute. We've established already Jerry Halliday, to my understanding, is a cis, white, heteronormative male. Above the age of 50. And he has supposedly spent two years creating this rather homophobic puppet. And he goes on in an article to say that it was, in fact... I'm going to I got to pull it up here because when you read it, it's it's like you're kidding me with that. Uh, Here it is. So in another queer publication that devotes itself to arts and entertainment, this is an LGBTQIA and I'm going to out them later when I get some a chance to get some questions to them. What was the original inspiration behind him? One of the strongest influences is the flamboyant gay Carmagia, the common law assistant to Roger Dupree in The Producers. However, Twinkie Boy is much younger than Ms. Carmagia. Do you find yourself talking in his voice around the house? Oh, yes, indeed. It's been the greatest challenge of my theatrical career to learn how to do a queenie, high-pitched, nasal-twanged Twinkie voice. Let that let's sit sit with that for a second. <laughs> and um now and remember that this is a QA, evidently by a LGBTQIA representative reporter for an LGBTQIA representative uh, uh, uh you know platform. My first question for the reporter will be why was there no pushback against some of these patently homophobic answers? To your questions, uh, why was there no pushback? Why was this guy platformed after these answers were submitted? You know, what editor saw this at this publication and said, "Oh, sure, this is great, let it go." It, I mean, clearly it's a puff piece. I doubt that they actually even communicated. My theory is that this was an email interview. He, you know, the reporter emailed over the questions again that I cannot confirm. These are all hypothetical. So, Mr. Fox. What's your thought on, on that? 
you know, at this point, it's clear to me that Jerry Holiday, um, whether he had good intentions or not, I'm leaning more towards not, is somebody that doesn't go out. Like, you know, he does his bit in a particular city, goes back to his hotel room, and gets his view of the entire world through a slanted news channel. And it's uh, and that's his, his views on gay people, black people, disabled people, older people. And there's no, there's no growth or substance from that approach in life because at some point, like I've come to realize is that, you know, everything on TV is, has a monetary angle to it, especially the news. Like, it's their job to report on a particular thing with a particular narrative that is dangerous, that is that leads to a lot of murder, because there are people like him that watch the news and think, you know, all Black people are thugs, you know, and it, and it just, it comes down to something as the way it's, the news story is reported, certain words that they use, certain angles and narratives they're trying to present when it comes to Black people. Case in point, when Hurricane Katrina happened, when there was aerial footage, video footage from the helicopters of Black people that were in shoulder-deep water trying to swim or navigate or traverse through the water to higher ground with garbage bags of their belongings. What You know, the very little that they could take or get from their house that's underwater. You know, the narrative was that these people were looters. Do you know how dangerous that is? It's it's uh, terminal. It's lethal. Right. Because that puts a target on their back from everybody outside of Louisiana that's not a person of color or even some people of color that have no connection to the city, probably have never invested or spent time outside of, oh, Mardi Gras or, you know this function or this whatever, or this celebration, never once spent a considerable amount of time in Louisiana to to gauge the reality of Louisiana. And even well after it was clear that George Bush Jr. was indifferent about that as he was about 9-11, and I don't touch that, that you know, a lot of people are going to follow, we're following the president's lead because, you know, people are so patriotic, you know, they believe in their government when it's going one way. So everybody fall, fell in line emotionally when it came to New Orleans and black people. And again, it's like falling right in line with that stereotype that we're either dangerous or we're desperate neither of which 
gets grace or patience or understanding. Um, so that's what I got is that, you know, Jerry Holiday either through indoctrination growing up or never unpacking that indoctrination when it comes to people of color and, and minorities um, is, is where he is right now. And a large part of why he has this act to begin with. Like, don't think it's not connected somehow. Like, you know, comedy, you know, of course that it may stem from some kind of trauma and stuff like that, but don't think there isn't like a huge part of that person, the real person in that comedy. The spirit so, of who they are. So true. It's true. I, I I often refer to it as the profound difference for a a comic between punching up and punching down. Right. And I'll elaborate on that uh, more uh, in the not all that distant future. I wanted to share this last little uh, tidbit here, um, and I'm going to scroll back up to the top of an advocate article that I just found. Oh, sorry, it's the wrong. Uh, wrong one. Hang on one second. Let me figure it out. Uh, it would appear that Halliday is, in fact, retiring his uh, very horrific puppet. Um, it. Uh, uh, I don't have the handy the ha- headlight handy. Sorry, I must have lost it. So yeah, uh, yeah. Jerry Holiday is f- retiring sister girl and he has now scrubbed her from all of his website social media his youtube channel and i and i thought that was actually quick for uh, uh, you know a performer at his you know level i thought that was that was that was organized like that was almost like a publicist right. went in and uh, cleaned that up um we are still in the wake of this we're not done tomorrow night touche and the management owners are holding a town hall at the Leather Archives, as you saw in their apology statement. Uh, and so we'll be continuing to pull in the information from that. Uh, hope to have boots on the ground, taking copious notes, and maybe even capturing audio for us. And so stay tuned, because we will likely be inviting Mr. Fox back. Even uh, We'll even probably be circling back with Porter of the Megasheen podcast to come in and start sharing some more of their uh, points of view uh, as queer men of color uh, on this particularly disturbing, uh, just blatant attempt to slide it by. That's how I'm seeing this, is they, they, they just... They just wanted to sneak it in, slide it by. They they didn't count on people really pressing back. And that's what I would like to put all racists and, and homophobes and transphobes on notice. We're going to start pushing the fuck back. It's yes. like, your day is done. Sunset, baby. Time to sit down and shut the fuck up. Like, we'll welcome you into our spaces as long as you fucking behave. <laughs> right. And I mean, it's not that hard. It's like, think back to when you were younger and, you know, you go to somebody else's house 
whether it's family or somebody unfamiliar, you don't just go in and start tearing shit up. So why would you do that in our space? Like, you don't understand how dangerous that is. And you may, you may think it's cute, but it's like, you know, you can do whatever you want. Like, we're not, like, technically in life, you can do whatever you want. It's just the results may vary. I'm going to close with this. Remember, gang, this isn't cancel culture. See, right. can, for it to be cancel culture, it has to come from the Cancella region of France. What Jerry Holiday and Touche are experiencing right now are just sparkling consequences. Ooh. That's all. Sparkling fucking consequences for terrible racist behavior. That's what's going on. That's it. That's all. That sounds like a fine Chardonnay. Sparkling consequences. Sparkling consequences. That should be on a label. Let's call Sonoma Valley. I'll bet you I'll bet you California could whip that shit out. Thank you so much for being my guest today, Mr. Fox. Everybody, go find the podcast on all platforms and or follow the podcast on Instagram. I underscore refuse underscore podcast. Yeah. Or on Twitter. Right? Or on Twitter, I refuse podcast. The I refuse podcast on all platforms. Mr. Fox, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, so one more thing before we leave. If you go to any streaming platform, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and you type in I, re I refuse, and this is not part of the image, it's not my podcast. So look at the shirt. The image, the pose. If that's not the uh, podcast photo when you look it up on the streaming platforms, that's not us. But on YouTube, we're share. it's different. But yeah, we're going to share all your links in the descriptions when this posts here later in the week. All uh, right. Thank you. And thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Oh, anytime. And anytime you've got something you need to signal boost, do not hesitate. Let me know because. I'm a bit of a loud mouth. And it is a pretty mouth. <gasps> Ooh. Stay tuned, gang. We'll be back with more. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Rocket Review. If you would like to be a guest or have your adult industry business featured on TRR, please email rocket at therocketreview.com. TRR is a production of Whole Punch Media and is supported through corporate sponsorships and subscribers like you. Remember, gang, if you can't be good, be damn good at it. <laughs> <laughs>